and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. Today we're answering your questions, dear listeners, in a two-hour special episode before we begin The Great Hiatus. Hello and welcome to episode 100. 100. The ex- super extravaganza, is that what we're super calling it? Super supercalifragilistic extravaganza. Extravaganza, one of those. We did it. We, we have a right. Well, we haven't done it yet because we still dear have two gods. dear <laughs> podcast gods. Please don't fuck us up here at the 11th hour or rather the 10th hour because this is going to be two hours long. Uh. In any case, I'm Alex, and I am the American one. I'm Freya, and I am the Australian one. I'm Macy, and I am the English one. We are still three red-headed fantasy authors. It has been four years. We mm-hmm. are about to record our final episode before the great hiatus. Uh, and mm. I, gosh, wow, it has been just like... Four years. It Every time a- I think four years, I'm just like, how? How did that happen? Hey, Alex, what, Macy? You know that this is one eighth of our lives. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready to be done with both of you. So. <laughs> um, not really. Just just the podcast. Like, I, I, at the beginning of this year, I was feeling kind of bittersweet about the idea that we were coming to an end. But, like... I've come to a place of acceptance. And I'm like, yes, Hmm. yes, good. But absence makes the heart grow fonder. Or being ready to be done with something and like have a break for a while makes the heart grow fonder as well. I think that is a healthy part of life. Being able to let things go in good time. Anyway. But before we get all bittersweet and bullshit, (laughs) what have we been reading, fellow serpents? I have just come to the end of three weeks off work because of my book release. Uh, And I expected I would get so much writing on so much outlining done. I did not. I got very little of anything done beyond doing my virtual events and sitting on Twitter and then occasionally just lying flat on the couch, feeling a little bit exhausted by the entire year. Yes. Freya, how the fuck did you think you were going to get writing done during your debut weeks? Uh, Hubris. Hubris, yes. Uh, 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 you just nearly killed me for just saying that while I was drinking my tea, dear <laughs> So The other two watch me make horrid faces. Yeah. So I have not done much writing. I have not done an enormous amount of reading for me, uh, but I have watched a couple of things. So I discovered two Korean dramas on Netflix, both of which are not mm. the kind of genre that I would usually watch. They're both crime dramas in their own way. So one of them is called My Name, and it is a gangster story uh, about a young girl whose father, she is pretty sure, works for a drug ring, and he gets killed when she's 17 and she sees it happen. Mm. And she is determined to get revenge on the person who killed her father, so she goes to the boss of the drug ring and says, I want revenge, I will work for you if you help me get revenge. And he shows her a gun and says, the person who killed your father is a cop. And I will train you up uh, and we will put you undercover in the police force to find this person and kill them. That is the premise. 
Uh, Amazing. It, I, I think it was really, really enjoyable and compelling to watch. Like, quite violent in a very sort of, like, this is a gang story kind of way. So I did have occasionally have to mute or skip past some things. But really, really well acted. Really interesting character work. A really nice self-contained story. It didn't quite go the way that I wanted it to go, but it went in a way that made sense for the story. I think I wanted it to get darker, and it didn't. <laughs> and it was still pretty dark. Freya. Uh, anyway, so that was really enjoyable. That's called My Name. And then I lost a day and a half to mainlining another series, <laughs> which is a much more recognisable sort of serial killer police procedural mm-hmm. uh, thing. So it's all like those self-contained BBC crime miniseries mm. uh, except it goes over 16 episodes and this one is called beyond evil and it is on one level a buddy cop show but the two cops are one character that i am describing as baby javert in that he is the son <laughs> of the next commissioner he is very rule bound and tight-laced and beautiful and wears wonderful <laughs> suits and every, and every time he has to get his shoes muddy or like tackle somebody into a, a reed field he sort of looks at his clothes and is like <sighs> has to get them dirty so obviously i love him uh and then he is partnered with a much more sort of prone to deranged grinning laid back uh you know cynical cop in a rural town who 20 years ago was accused of killing his own sister and has been searching for the person who did kill his sister ever since uh, so it is a much more tense kind of procedural than many because both of these two people are convinced that the other one is a criminal and they have this incredible like tension and sparking and do they trust each other? Do they not trust each other? Again, a really nice ensemble cast, you know, if you're in the mood mm-hmm. to watch something about cops basically, uh, but it's set in rural Korea and it's got a lot of things to do with, you know, serial killers, but also corruption and politics. Mm-hmm. And again, fantastically acted across the board and really very enjoyable. So that's been my watching experience. Uh, and very briefly, I've read a couple of things in a completely different genre, as usual. Uh, I read Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers, which starts off very tropily. It's about uh, a young woman in her late 20s who... Uh, is about to embark on her post-PhD life as an astronomer and has always done everything right, has a plan for her life, has been working hard as a black woman in STEM and wakes up in Vegas married to a woman that she met the night before. Oh no! Uh, And what it's actually about is her having an existential crisis about what she wants to do with her life and what priorities she has and slowly getting to know this person who lives in a different city to her that she's ended up married to and she has a wonderful found family of queer millennials and like a complex relationship with her parents. It's a really, really nice story. It's not a classic romance, although it has a romance in it. Uh, It's a lot more to do with finding out who you are and what you want to do and what you prioritize. And it's beautifully written. So I really enjoyed that. And I am almost finished with all the feels by Olivia Dade, which is the second romance in her fandom series. The first one was Spoiler Alert, which I think I may have talked about last year. And this is the sequel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it is between a star of a definitely Game of Thrones, but we're not calling it Game of of Thrones TV show, who 
discovers fan fiction and starts writing fanfic about his character being pegged because he's annoyed with the way his character <laughs> arc has gone on the show. Uh, but he also has ADHD and very poor impulse control and the terrible showrunners saddle him with a minder to stop him from getting into trouble. Uh, and the minder is a young woman called Lauren who uh, is burned out from couple. working in an ED as a therapist and is like, okay, easy money, I will babysit this annoying movie star. And obviously they fall in love. Uh, so again, like very sort of tongue-in-cheek and self-referential about fandom and fanfiction, but a really nice sparky, bantery romance mm. at the heart of it. So I'm enjoying that. That's been a nice, relaxing read. So that's me. Very good. There's many things. There's many things, Freya. Many things. Raya, many well, I mean, things. I, I say it sounds like it took a lot of time, but I literally lay on my couch for about 16 hours watching Beyond Evil because I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> so you know. I, that, That'll do it. Uh, Macy, it is day 19 of NaNoWriMo and I am 33,000 words Go in. Go, Macy. Um, Go, so Macy. my reading... Yeah, I, I, I finished Act 1 at 29,928 words. That's... Spot on. Uh, well done. It's like 72 words off from perfect. I was very tempted to go and add a paragraph. Um, but I have been reading, don't laugh at me, for the very first time, Frankenstein. I've never read Frankenstein. Uh, I've never so read Frankenstein. Laugh. It's the first, like, few chapters are epistolary and are this boy writing back to his sister about how lonely he is for a true friend who really understands him and is the type of man who will be like a visionary and stand by his side and truly know his soul and I'm like yeah. <laughs> um, it's very it was not what I was expecting frankly and he thinks that he's found this in Victor Frankenstein, oh, which is buddy. a life choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. And this is the Penguin Classics edition, which also starts out with a 63-page biographical pre-note about the life of Mary Shelley. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that's what I've been reading as, like, actual book. In fic, I accidentally stayed up till two in the morning the other night because I found a 50,000 word supernatural fic about Dean Winchester in a current day AU as a secret poet. And so it's full of feels about like writing poetry and trauma and like familial abuse and coming out of it. Um, and that's called And This Your Loving Kiss by Opal Bullets. I mean, that's very on brand for the podcast, given that like our first ever episode was like a secret poet fanfic. Right. But like, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's a very good fic. Um, it's very thoughtful. And I'm really enjoying the post supernatural, like introspective fanfic writing about what Dean actually is, because what the character was was this horrid stack of nasty jokes the creators made that the fans have taken and said no but actually if you look at this with compassion here's what that would actually be like and this fic does that i have also been reading a lot of weirdly sleuth of ming dynasty mm. fanfic over the past few good days show. uh particularly it's a good show um i wouldn't i mean the fanfic is great and the characters seem great from the fanfic because i i tend to fanfic first um, but one I really liked was The Courtier's Love Affair and Other Stories um, by Trident Tour, which I'm not pronouncing right. 
But other than reading things, I have been watching. Um, I've been watching period shows in order to get into the mood for my Regency book. Um, so I've been watching Harlots, which is great. And just a lot happens at all times in that show. Uh, <laughs> warnings for lots of sexual violence and slavery, I guess. But also women doing things and trying to live their lives in a system that really doesn't want that for them. Also, I finally started Bridgerton, um, which, you know, is like 50 years later than Harlots, but not entirely not about women trying to make their way in a world that doesn't really want them to. So is Harlots Georgian? Yeah, Harlots is like the 1760, 1763. Mm, okay, I think, I think that's Georgian, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. yeah, but it's lots of like big dresses, big panniers, like sideways dresses. Mm. Um, and I also found this little show featuring um, Colin Morgan of Merlin as a gothic doctor in rural Victorian England called The Living and the Dead. Mm, that sounds fun. Uh, which is full of ghosts and like really nasty ghost stories. And yes, writing The Resurrection Chalice is my nano. So that's most of... What I've been doing, dear listeners. Very good. Um, since we finished the homework, the podcast homework with the yes! last episode, I have had just so much energy for like reading things and consuming things. And it's been great. Um, I read In the Realms of Gold by Victoria Goddard, of course, which is, mm. as you know, dear listeners, I have been rationing out her work so that I would have one to mention in every episode until the end. <laughs> I have succeeded. Thank you. Well done. Yay. Well, technically, there was a second because I also beta read uh, her upcoming book, Plum Duff, which comes out at the end of this mm. month or at the end of December. So that was very cool. Uh, In the Realms of Gold is a collection of short stories that are all set on the world of Isthar, which is the Earth equivalent. It's like Earth but magic mm -hmm. uh, in her Nine World series. Uh, so that was very cool. The first story especially obviously struck to my heart because it's about Scheherazade and you know that I am on my Scheherazade bullshit. I <laughs> also read the Sword Dance Trilogy by A.J. Demas, which is a, a queer romance series between a ex-soldier uh, who has been honorably discharged from the army and a non-binary gender queer person who usually um, uses he him pronouns. Uh, and it's set in like fantasy ancient Greece. Uh, and they there's some spy stuff and like sneaking around and trying to solve mysteries and like murders and figure out like who these bad people are and try to like avert whatever bad things they're doing. It's great. Uh, Freya, I think that you would especially like it a lot. I've had it, I've had the first one recommended to me ages ago, but I didn't know there was a whole trilogy now. Yes, yes. Mm, uh, it was it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. What was the first book? Sorry, the first I book is Sword said. Dance. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's just the and then the trilogy thing. is also called Sword Dance. Yes. I have been writing a lot for NaNoWriMo, which is great. I kind mm. of started out the month thinking like, oh, I'm going to try for 100,000 words this month. And then I was like, no, no, I'm not. It's a lot. I'm just going to, because I've done that before. Right. And I know I yeah. can. You've nothing to prove. I hmm. have nothing to prove. Exactly. I have no deadline. So I've just been like working on whatever I want and just nice. like not even following an outline or a plan or anything, just kind of like rediscovering the joy of writing into the dark, uh, which has mm. been great. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I am working on revising a novella for self-publishing because that's something that I'm going to be branching out into. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But yeah, I'm going to self-publish the Dapper Theater Lesbians novella, Some by Virtue Fall. So look for that in the next couple months, probably, hopefully, fingers crossed. This is the one with the excellent hats. Excellent hats, yes, and lesbians. It's um, all of the men have been banned from performing on stage because they duel too much. Yeah. And so our, <laughs> our heroes, a theater troupe of Dapper Theater Lesbians, have to uh, fight to keep their rival troupe from sabotaging them at every turn. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't reread it for a long time and I'm like, I had this memory that it was really kind of humdrum and, and like plodding and boring, but I'm rereading it and it's like sharp as hell. And like the, the pacing is incredibly tight. Uh, I have to cut down some words from it, but just like, I'm, I'm really thrilled about this. I'm, it's always wonderful when you go back to a project and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, like... Actually, this was quite good. This was yeah. quite yeah. good, yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. We had the, in, in other news, there was the uh, cover reveal for A Taste of Golden Iron, mm-hmm. which came out the day before so Freya's book came out in uh, America. <laughs> it was just a wonderful week for Seth. It was a great week. It was a fantastic week. Yeah, and then beta reading for uh, Victoria. Mm. And also I've been beta reading a couple other things for other people. I'm very popular this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Everyone's like, can you read my thing? And I'm like, of course I can. I'm here for you. So <laughs> that's what I'm up to. Excellent. I forgot to say the thing. What thing? Dear listeners, Macy is having a bad aphasia day, so please forgive me if I forget how words work. That might happen. <laughs> that might happen, yes. And you yes. you just wanted to say, like, you hadn't mentioned that that was a thing that yeah. you have trouble with sometime on the podcast. It's fun. Um, yeah, words. These two help drag me out of the thing where I can't remember how words work uh, or names and call characters by a completely different word that is and not And usually, here's, here's the thing, usually I edit those bits out anyway, so nobody can tell. <laughs> not always. Sometimes they're funny. Well, sometimes they're funny and sometimes the way that we have worded things doesn't make it possible for me to Mm -hmm. do the audio editing when I can cut it down and make it seamless and make it sound like there was no gap or anything I do it but if it's weird or if someone says like oh what's it called oh lord of the rings right (laughs) like with that kind of with that kind of weird change in enunciation I have to leave a little bit of a gap in otherwise Mm -hmm. it just sounds bad yeah like someone just randomly yelling lord of the rings right (laughs) but when i can cover for you macy i try to do my best and and sometimes if it was if it's freya doing her type a thing and like leaping in with the word if you have it too quickly it makes (laughs) you look really rude (laughs) well dear listeners get you two buddies who can cover your fuck-ups Mm. Speaking of two buddies, my darling two buddies, uh, should we answer some questions? <laughs> Let's go. All right. So we would thank you very much to everyone who sent in, uh, as we say, comments, questions, and breathless adulations. Many of you sorted them <laughs> under those subheadings, which we very deeply impressive. appreciated. So some of the things that we'll read out for this episode will just be uh, some little stories or comments that people sent in. But we will also, of course, be answering yes. questions. So, Ross on Twitter asks, One of the things I love about listening to Be the Serpent is the ongoing stream of enthusiastic recs for fic and books and what you're all reading and enjoying. You've murdered my TBR list over the past few years, and I thank you for it. Are any of you lining up your recs and enthusiastic flailing about fiction anywhere else? Ah. 
I mean, Twitter, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> Twitter is an entertaining place to try to um, convey any sort of organized meaning. Yeah, I talk about things like that on my Patreon mm. sometimes, my personal Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is I feel a bit too split over right. places. Like, I do try and retweet and talk about books that I'm enjoying on Twitter because I spend most of my time there. Uh, occasionally, I will also put something on Instagram. I don't spend as much time on Instagram, but I do try and use it a little bit. And so I have created whatever they're called, like a highlights thing for book recs. But there's no centralized place. And I agree, I would like to have a centralized place because things get lost very easily on Twitter. Like it's hard to do a collection. There's Goodreads too. No, Goodreads. I'm not using Goodreads. I had to stop using Goodreads. Oh, because it's owned by Amazon? No, no, because I don't want to go on to Goodreads because then I start reading reviews. Yes. Oh. Or like I can see how the star average star rating of my own book is changing. Ah. Uh, and also, I feel like I don't want to... I stopped using because I didn't want to star rate other people's books sure. anymore mm. now yeah, that I am fair. on there as an author. And I know that some authors use it, they just write reviews and don't actually use the star rating system. Which I can see that the point in that as well, but I think mm. I wanted to just sort of take a bit of a clean break and step back from Goodreads now that it is also a place of anxiety home. for me as author rather than just yeah. me as reader. I think yeah. that that's yeah. a really interesting point that like, I want to be able to exist as a separate creature when I am talking as a fan yes. versus mm. when I am professional entity Jennifer Mace of Silk and yes. Steel Publishing or whatever, you know? Um, yes, and I don't, yes. this is what, so this is kind of why, like, tongue in cheek, but also totally serious, Tumblr is kind of a cool place for this, because no one is under any fucking illusion that anyone is on Tumblr to be a professional. That That's is true. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. That's a good yeah. point, actually. I hadn't thought about using my Tumblr for that, but also, it also, I mean, Tumblr, although it has its weird weirdnesses <laughs> and faults, at least it does have a tagging system. And a chronological so you can, timeline. you can tag book recs and a chronological timeline. Possibility. Possibility. I had considered <laughs> considered starting a TikTok. We will be the first two subscribers to Freya's TikTok empire. Uh, sorry, no. Actually, I'm going to have to disappoint you. I am not subscribing <laughs> to you on TikTok. I'm not getting no, a TikTok. That is fine. I cannot actually endorse anybody getting TikTok. My problem is I don't understand TikTok. Like there's also a lot that. of video editing involved <laughs> and I'm not good at video editing. There's a lot of using like memes spread so fast and there's so much. It, I do, Listen, no. I barely understand Instagram. <laughs> Dear listeners, these millennials are too old for the We're internet. too old for TikTok. Yeah, I'm We're too a little old, old for this shit. The thing that appeals to me about TikTok is that I can do exactly what I do in our what we've been reading yes. and I can just talk for like 20 seconds about something yeah. and say, here's what it is. Here's why I Five liked minutes. it. Here are the tropes. And that could be it. Is it possible for you to talk for only 20 seconds, Freya? Oh, wait, I'll save my roasting for the roasting corner later in the episode. We've given Alex a designated roasting corner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As a so kid. yeah, I just have to get over my dislike of videoing myself mm. you for could TikTok just, to happen. Like, wander around videoing Australian wildlife and ranting about books. Yes, I could. I could just like not have my felt myself on on the camera at all. I'm still considering that. I think that would be a good place to put my my Rex. Mm. But I don't know. Macy's now made a really good really good case for Tumblr. <laughs> Anyway, we're already half an hour through this two-hour episode, and we've only answered the first question. 
We Should we are answer a very second good question? At radio. We're um, very good at radio. Scribemo sent us a message, which is, I've always really wanted y'all to do an episode about non-binary characters. I told this to my fiancé, and she said, non-binary isn't a trope. They do episodes about tropes. So my question to you is this. If you could do an episode about non-binaries, what would it be about? What would you temple? What can I do to get y'all to discuss Bell Thorne? I mean, we have we have done episodes about more... Like, we do generally mostly do episodes about tropes, but we have done episodes about, like, disaster bisexuals, which also mm. isn't really mm. a trope, right? And we've well, done the horror episode. trope. It's a character trope, yeah. Um, hmm. We've done, like, the horror episode or the, the romance episode, things like that. Um... I think that we could have talking about Bell Thorne would be good because then we can talk about like mm. how perceptions of like non-binary people in media has changed over the last mm. 20 or 30 mm. years um, because Bell Thorne from the Vorkosigan books um, uses the pronouns uh, it uh, mm. and mm. is referred to as a hermaphrodite, uh, which is also a word that has not it's problematic aged. shall we say it, it has not aged well mm. correct um and so yeah like we can we could have talked about that we could have talked about uh, there's like so many more um non-binary characters that even in the mm -hmm. last like five to ten years um we are really like there's so much more queerness in publishing now than even there was when we started this podcast yes definitely yeah mm. Yeah, I think, and I also like to have a look at how non-binary characters are starting to become a little more prominent in traditionally published romances. Mm, yeah. Um, as well. Because I'm just trying to think, I'm just looking up the, the website so I can remember. Yes, so Cat Sebastian mm -hmm. had a book called Unmasked by the Marquess, uh, which, of which one of the main characters is a non-binary person who usually uses she, her pronouns in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and Cat has put out some interesting thoughts about how this character is very much a non-binary character with, who exists in a place right. where they haven't got a, a sort of a, a structure in which to think about their own identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. in a modern uh, society, the character of Robin might use they, them right. pronouns, uh, but uses she, her in, in the book and in, in the context in which she is. But that was, a, that was a, a romance that I really enjoyed. And I think that was probably the first traditionally published romance that I had seen that mm -hmm. had a non-binary character mm -hmm. in it. Hmm. Anything else that you would consider tentpoling? Um, oh, one of the the books that I mentioned in the what we've been reading, probably the uh, Sword oh, Dance. Yeah. Uh, that would be that would mm -hmm. be great for it. Uh, because a thing mm -hmm. that I notice a lot is that you get non-binary characters, but they're often female-bodied non-binary people, and it is good to see like like anybody can be non-binary, mm -hmm. right? Like whatever mm -hmm. body you have, you can be non-binary if you want. Uh, and so just like some variety, uh, in the sorts of non-binary people that we have is, is a good thing. Uh, next question then. Hesper asked on Twitter. What? Well, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> dear listeners. Dear listeners. Dear listeners. All of you We're asked us this love. question. It was like 30,000 people all asked us. It was us, very cute. 
It, it is very cute. And we are extremely touched that all of you are asking us this question. So Hesper asked, what podcasts can you recommend to fill be the, the Be the Serpent shaped gap in my heart? Uh, Hilary Besenyaks asked, now what do I listen to that's in this space of queer yelling other than doing an archive binge? <laughs> Catalina emailed us a picture of her canary-winged parrot Zoe with a cute thank you serpents note and says, I'll miss Very your book and fic recommendations. Uh, do you have any suggested methods of finding the next reads and listens? Uh, Scout asked us, do you have any podcasts to recommend? <laughs> Patty asked us, I'm going to miss your energy. Do you have any recommendations for other podcasts? Uh, Sassy Snowperson asked us, since you're vanishing into the wilds of the Great Hiatus, what podcasts do you recommend? You are dying to know what podcasts what podcast? we recommend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like enthusiastic queer yelling, the first ones that come to my mind are, prob are possibly like Our Opinions Are Correct and The mm. Trunk Cast. Yeah. Uh, which is mm -hmm. um, the first one, Our Opinions Are Correct, is Annalie Newitz and Charlie Jane Anders podcast, and they have lots of guests as well. Uh, They're they Hugo do... winning podcast, even. Hugo, mm. multi twice, two twice, times Hugo winning. Yes, two times Hugo winning. Uh, yep. There we go. Uh, very good, very good stuff. Uh, particularly focused, though, on genre fiction, not really fanfic uh, as a thing. Mm. And then our own Hilary Bissonyek's, um doesn't get away with not mentioning Tales from the Trunk, upon which all three of us have yes. guested. Yes. The mm -hmm. Serpent Hat Trick. The, the Serpent I was just podcast. about to say. I was just about to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tales from the Trunk accomplished a Serpent Hat Trick. Congratulations, Tales from the Trunk. But uh, Hillary brings on writers to talk about writing and talk about topics that they want to and also to read from works that they have trunked for one reason or another. Mm. And Hillary brings lots of queer and genderqueer writers in particular. And it's a really great way to get lots of different perspectives on writing. I have a very long list of podcasts. So I listen to quite <laughs> let's try a lot to keep of podcasts. It, let's try to keep it zippy, Freya. All right, I'm going to do. I'm going to do lightning round. Okay. All right. Lightning round, um, Freya. Well, Hesper said that I am especially interested in discovering some podcasts about romance books mm. and romance writing. Mm -hmm. So my recommendations there are Fated Mates, which is a podcast that talks a lot about the history of romance as a mm -hmm. genre and their current season. They are doing interviews with people who were like foundational figures in the history of modern romance hmm. which has been so fascinating uh but also they talk about um you know books that have just come out and they do deep dive reads on individual books so that's a fantastic romance podcast uh heaving bosoms okay. is just a recap podcast they do a book every couple of weeks and do like a hilarious banter filled recap of the book which is great because it often has, helps me discover new reads uh, or decide that I don't need to read it, but I really enjoyed how funny the conversation was. Uh, the website Smart Bitches Trashy Books has a podcast as well. Lots of interviews, lots of just really chatty discussions mm -hmm. about particular romance novels. So that's the three that I would say if you're looking for romance ones. Um, otherwise, the podcast Fansplaining does a lot mm -hmm. on fandom history, yeah. fandom tropes, uh, how fandom interacts with media. So that's a really good one for the fandom side of things. Uh, in terms of interviews with fantasy authors, the Fantasy In mm -hmm. blog has a podcast series where they do interviews with authors who just had books out. And Breaking the Glass Slipper, they take a feminist bent on science fiction and fantasy and, again, do really interesting interviews about things like matriarchies in, society, in science fiction and fantasy, uh, motherhood in science fiction and fantasy, so again, for interviews, very good. Mm -hmm. 
And one of my favorite podcasts, although they don't often discuss books, they are much more focused on film and TV, mm-hmm. is Overinvested. Uh, so if you want to hear very well-informed yelling about film, especially, I have learned so much about film and the history of film and the language of film from hearing two people who know a lot about it and are very interested in film, talking about everything from Marvel movies to like very art house things in the New York Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered a lot of TV shows and films through them. Nice. So that's my list of podcasts. I think that's pretty exhaustive. The only one that I would add, as you know, dear listeners, I only listen to fiction podcasts. I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And so my favorite one, which I've recommended on the podcast before, is Campaign Skyjacks, uh, which is uh, so good. It's it's an actual play RPG podcast um, with a setting based on the music of the Decemberists and many queer characters and some of the best storytelling I have ever heard and incredible editing, incredible sound design and soundtracks. Go listen to it. They're amazing. I will also mention because a couple of y'all did ask, like, where do you find things to read and listen? Mm. Um, Three quick recs when it comes to finding fanfic, because there are, you should be reading articles on Tor.com. People like um, Liz Burke um, and other writers there do lots of great rec sets for professionally published um but also the rec center mailing list is a great source of fanfic recs um weirdly pinboard's fanfic recs page is mostly full of twitter threads about technology but sometimes has one or two good fix um and other than that i don't know man find somebody's bookmarks on ao3 and go through them with a fine-tooth comb like the rest of us <laughs> mm. <laughs> or like macy and then bully your friends into reading it so you two don't need to start a podcast it's just a no see our, enti- <laughs> our entire method of finding fan fiction is macy comes into your inbox and says i found a fanfic i think you would like or there was that time where you remember when i had that six-week period where i was yeah, just mainlining about dorian B- Dor- yeah, Bull and Dorian from uh, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. Just yeah, 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 start yeah. at the sort by kudos. Start at the top. Read all the way down. Yep, and and you recommended some to me that I still reread <laughs> despite knowing nothing about Dragon Age. Wonderful. So there we go. Wonderful. Freya, you your some, question. Get you some friends who will. <laughs> yes. Uh, so next question, Lynn asks, oh "Who is playing that <laughs> cute little piano tune? Is it one of you? And did you write it yourselves?" Aww. And I feel so. Like, where did our opening music come from? I feel like there was another question that asked this as well, buried somewhere in, mm. in the things. But yeah. Um. So that's me. Um. I don't think we have ever mentioned on the podcast. Like, I'm sh- I don't think have. so. I, we no? must have. We must have. But I don't think it really comes up. Huh? And Weird. so, like, like who I, is who is that person playing playing the music? It's well, okay, Macy. <laughs> so what what happened early on in the early days of yes. podcasting? Um, we were like, we should have like an introduction of some sort what should we have and i'm like we should have music do we want to buy music how do you get music how do you get music and since we'd never done this before where does music come where from? does where music does, come where from does, well when a mummy piano and a daddy violin like, <laughs> very much. and we had we had no idea where to get like royalty free music no, at that point no, it's like so, it just, so I'm just it like, just you know seemed what? easier fuck it so i i took my phone uh, and my old book of like uh, recital repertoire published prior to 1830. Yeah. Like, no one can shout at me for plagiarizing Mozart. Yeah. Right? Um, and I played Alex some Mozart and Alex was like, eh, eh, meh. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and Alex wasn't down with the Mozart. Uh, I did like two different Mozarts. You're just not, not feeling it. So I went I think to the you, back. I think you provided me like three different songs. And yeah. I went meh about two of them. And then I said, sure, this one will work. Alex has the reasonably, like, arguably good taste to be like, eh, about Mozart. Um, those two I mean, that like you rejected most... were both Mozart. I, I like most Mozart, or like at least some <laughs> Mozart. It just didn't seem to fit with the vibe. Yeah, I mean, Mozart fits with our vibe, like as a person, but that's a different problem. Yeah. But those those were um, the Mozart Fantasia in D minor and the really boring one he wrote when he was seven, the Allegro. But the one that we do have is called An Old Musical Box by Deodat de Severac, um, which in fact was like 1900s, but you know, I figure it's still, still out of copyright. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what that is. And we actually re-recorded it uh, after we got our nice mics because Alex yes. was like, Macy, your shoddy mobile phone piano recording is shameful. Go redo um, it, Macy. Go re- it's not <laughs> good enough. It is no longer to bring down the tone quality. of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, fine. And recorded the same exact bloody music. Of a higher quality. I'm still shocked about how weirdly consistent we've been in our gimmicks from day fucking one. Because none of that was on purpose. Do you remember, like, introducing ourselves by our accent so people could tell us apart? And then we've done that for a hundred episodes now. Yeah, that was my idea. And I have to say, that was probably one of my worst ideas. Because because having to decide every single fortnight which ones we are has just been the bane of our collective existence. It's the worst part. I think it's cute. Yeah, I think it is I, cute. It is, it is, it is cute, is, but it's also yeah, terrible. It's but also, it is the conflict that has drawn us closer together yes. as, as a team. Because every time we're like, shit, shit one of the ones. And then we bitch about it together for a while. We need a title. We every need time, one. listeners. Every like, time. Like, once in a blue moon, we get it early, and then we kind of look at it, like, really nervous pet yeah. owners, scared that your animal is going to, like, run away again. Like, is that the question? Did we get it already? Are we right? Here's a, here's a, good, a good piece of nostalgia, which was, yeah! I think, one of the best titles, my favorite title oh. of all of our titles, uh-huh. was uh, Cross uh-huh. Your Stars and Hope to Buy. And Hope to Buy? Yeah. Yes! Yeah, because disaster, disaster, Cross Your Stars, mm. yeah. That was a good yeah. one. That was a good pun. Yeah. Alex's etymological yep. corner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. fancy. We were very, that was very fancy of us. Mm. Um, I have a question now from Ivyness. I have like four questions. So we're going to do this scattershot. Mm-hmm. My first Let's question go. for one of you two is, do you all have any new podcast projects you're working on or ideas brewing, Alex? No. <laughs> no, I do not. That was very decisive. <laughs> Alex is our resident <laughs> podcast addict. I have since I know that I was I was considering the idea I was considering the idea of starting another podcast after we were done with this podcast and then I came to the brilliant realization that instead of starting a fiction podcast where I would have to write the content and then release it for free I could write the content and then self-publish it and be paid for it that is that is that is a true realization how about you Freya are you going to start a (laughs) podcast Fuck no. No. <laughs> Freya will continue her current scheme, which is Freya enjoys being asked to guest on other people's podcasts. That is podcasts. good. That is good. I would love so to... She does not have to do any of the organization yes, or... Or audio editing. Exactly. It's very luxurious. Macy, are you? 
<laughs> I well, all right. So, dear listeners, let's talk a little bit about what it means to have published a podcast. Okay. Mm. So, if we all changed our names and moved to Antarctica and sure. deleted our emails as we are definitely intending to do yes. and adopted sheep together and built a castle um, sheep as in Antarctica. we promised Alex okay, listen we'll there's a there's Ireland. a government Island. grant that will send me to Antarctica and I <laughs> ogle it every single year please continue oh, Macy very much so if we did that dear listeners did you know that Serpentcast would vanish from the internet after what six months couple of months it would go because it turns out that hosting podcasts costs money yeah um so Serpentcast is the podcast project that we are in a sense still like working to host like and we wanted to talk a little bit and i guess this is where i'm doing it about um how we've been like what does it take to make this podcast that's a good question um, what yeah. Do we th- mm. yeah what does it take so because we, we release run... it for free, but it doesn't cost us zero dollars. Oh, no. It costs us approximately $330 a month for transcription and audio editing. Mm-hmm. Um, it then also costs us, I believe you said it was $108 yep. for it's hosting. It's $108 per year. Per year. Right, $108 a year for the hosting. I believe it's $12 a month for the tr- for the lengthy Google professional rate right because dear listeners did you know that google meet will hang you up after an hour um surprisingly it takes more than an hour to record yes. an hour of podcast so yeah. yes we, we are very pro, good at uh, extraneous chaos around recording oh, god listen not all of it is me even like all of us are good at it it's true um and so we have a patreon um which thanks to the grace of our dear listeners support we bring in, I want to say right now it's around 350, let me pull that up, because it is important to be transparent about mm-hmm. what art costs. Mm-hmm. Um, 395 per month, right? Uh, so $100 an episode to our transcription team, which we split amongst them by percentage of episode transcribed, so that that's fair. Um, then $50 for audio editing. Uh, and for both of those, we kind of looked around and priced it at like the slightly higher end of what non-professional yeah. um, transcripts mm. and audio editing does. And Alex does the audio editing. We have a team of transcribers who are listed in the show notes mm-hmm. of the episodes they transcribe. So you guys can see who's being paid that. I also pay taxes on this money, hilariously. Um, so Patreon comes in um, and I write tax forms to all of my quote unquote employees which is mostly alex yes <laughs> um, and send tax forms for everyone who's paid more than a certain amount per year uh, so far over the course of the podcast we as podcasters have been paid 20 dollars total and that was for the episode that we did for strange horizons um where they gave us an artist payment mm-hmm. for the work on mm-hmm. average we work about eight hours each per episode on pre-reading uh pre-reading that's estimating based on a novel a novella and a movie and then doing the episode and doing the show notes in advance um and then right now yes and uh-huh. that's and Alex, that's getting ahead. that's getting so getting paid for doing the podcast we do not get paid i get paid do for doing paid. i get paid for doing the audio editing and we yes. pay 
the scribes for transcribing the episode. That's it. We're not making money from this podcast as podcasters. No. And we intend to continue to pay to host it um, on until that is a silly thing to do. So that 108 will continue even as we stop being in the podcast. Right now, the balance that we have is about $1,100. I'm looking at my spreadsheet right now. Um, I don't know that that will be exactly what we have when we end. We intend to close the Patreon in December as we have, once we've done our last episode, basically. Um, At which point we will pay for next year's hosting and then split that money out amongst the three of us. Uh, And pay for the scribes for the last episode as well. Oh, obviously, yes. Pay for all of the scribes, pay pay for Alex's editing, paying the scribes double for the double length episode, because again, that's only fair. That's only fair. (laughs) <laughs> like like we did for the um let's play episode that we did a while back yes. we paid mm. them double for that because it was double length yep um yeah and so we will pay ourselves that and then any episodes going forwards we will pay back a hundred dollars a third each and fifty dollars a third each out of our money that we just have as humans back to the transcribe team and alex um, so realistically, Freya and I will pay $50 each to the scribes and Alex will pay $50 to Alex. To do the audio editing, yes. <laughs> to do the audio editing. Um, and so that $300... What that look like on a text form, Alex? <laughs> Good question. That, yeah, right. That $300 uh, that we're paying out to each of us will basically serve six more episodes that we might do at a random point. Because we're not going to restart the Patreon uh, when we're on hiatus and not playing regularly, right. even if we yep. do one-off episodes. Right. So that was a very long answer, Macy, wasn't it? Shall we continue? I think we shall continue. But like, I I think that it's important. I just wanted to say, I think that it's important as freelancers to be transparent about money matters because that is such a sensitive issue for so many people. And the more that we can normalize talking about money so that people know how much it costs to do this, both in time and in labor and in actual money, the easier it makes it for other people to do the research to find out what but they can also, do. Also, I really want to be um, open about paying our transcription team yes. so that if you are doing transcription work, you have an idea of what a rate might be, right, for the work that you're doing. Yep. And so what the rate that we pay is $100 for an hour of audio, which is more than an hour of work for the team. Yep. So more questions from Ivyness, shall we? Yes. Okay, so another question from Ivy Ness. This is a sweet one. What is a hope you have for the future? Aww. See, I feel like I'm very miscongeniality here in that I've got, like, do I say world peace? Like, do I pick something that's <laughs> Freya! <big? laughs> Freya, don't make me come to fucking Australia! A personal, a personal Yeah, I was going to say, okay, let's go for a personal hope. All right. So this is something that has only become a personal hope in the last few months, Mm. uh, which was not something that I had been considering before, but a personal hope for myself is that I may one day be able to not have a day job Ah, and support myself with writing. Yeah. I is not uh, at all feasible at the moment. It may never be feasible, but it is a hope. Yeah, Mm. man. Mm. I, I've gone on submission with two full-length novels at this point mm. and neither one of them has found a home we've we've gotten close but neither one has and so i just really hope that my books find a home yes yep 
we hope that I hope I hope that the resurrection chalice will be the one but if it's not I hope that something will Mm -hmm. because I would be writing anyway but it would be nice to see my books in a bookshop I guess that's my hope is seeing my Mm -hmm. books in a bookshop one day Mm -hmm. I really want a fandom you know like and it feels it feels like that's kind of a little bit of a vain thing to say but like I'm trying to articulate like what fandom has meant to me and what fandom has done for me in my whole life Mm -hmm. and I want my books to be able to do that for other people and Mm -hmm. I I want to write books that inspire people to be creative on their own and to make art and to like find things that are 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 joyful to them um like Mm -hmm. that's like when I say I want a fandom that's what I mean is that I want I want to write books that give people the same joy that I have gotten from books in the past (laughs) inching up on world peace but also still selfish I love it good answer (laughs) (laughs) oh it's lovely it's really lovely hope Okay, so Beatrice Babe had a couple of questions, the first of which I'm going to fire directly into Macy's face. What are your favorite My Hero (laughs) Academia fics? Okay, so let's start by saying um, a couple off the cuff that I have in my bookmarks that I've enjoyed include um, the one that many people know, uh, Yesterday Upon the Stair by Pit Viper of Doom, which is only... 424,000 words long um, and is subtitled Deku Seeds Dead People. So this is in the genre of ghost sensing that we discussed a little bit in our Halloween episode, right? Um, Where a character's superpower is the ability to see ghosts. And yeah, it's long. It has lots of dealing with abuse and like traumatizing things but that's kind of in the canon as well but uh, to do a to complete 180 um another of my favorites is uh there's some really great comedy in this fandom uh and i really like bakugo and todoroki's foolproof five-step plan to fuck with mineta minoru uh by anubis 2701 which is uh for you two who have not been um hit upside the head with this fandom mineta is like fandom's most hated character who is a preteen with a head like a grape who continuously um gropes and harasses girls in the like japanese anime fan service way Mm. that um boku no hero is not great about Mm. Right, um, and so a lot of fanfic just finds a way to like forcibly eject this character from the from the canon, uh, and this is thirty seven thousand words of two characters who kind of don't get along at all, completely fucking with the character that everyone hates, and it's great fun. But like, the thing with My Hero Academia is it's one of those fandoms like Naruto where you just kind of have to dive in. It's about the volume. Like, there's just a lot of writing and you kind of read one thing, you read another, you look at what what else that author's written and kind of bounce around. Mm. Um, So it's kind of really hard to have 
like specific fics that stick in your head because a lot of the ones that I read are works in progress, mm. right? And we on this podcast tend to, I think we've held to this, we don't do tent poles that are works in progress. Yeah, I don't think we um, have. It's just like when you're doing literary, like literary criticism of a work, you want to be able to take it as a whole item. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes we'll do single episodes of a TV show, which is a little bit like a work in progress. Well, but mostly we try to do things that have beginnings and ends. And I think I think one of our concerns when we first talked about this was that if like the podcast has a lot of listeners, and if mm -hmm. a lot of people rush in and read it, even if it's good attention, that can sometimes impact an author in a negative right. way. Right. And so we don't want to ruin their fun by like, right. like putting pressure on them, if that makes sense. Right. But I will say that I have very much enjoyed reading works in progress and I do read them a lot. Yeah. They're just a slightly different meal of, of fiction. Yeah. Um, hmm. So there's Macy's sidebar on Boku no Hero. Excellent. Well, the other question from Beatrice Babe is, what are you looking forward to doing with the time that was once allocated to podcast homework? Oh my god, I'm going to pick... tell us about self-publishing. Oh, well, there's that, but I was, I was just going to say, like, oh my god, I get to pick what books I read now. I, like, just for, because it's been a weird past four years, right? Like, mm. like, the past 18 months have not been great, just from pandemic stuff, yep. but yep. also before that was also hard. And mm. I have not had a whole lot of spoons for reading the past four years. And most of my spoons have been going to keeping up with podcast homework. And so I have often felt a little bit self-conscious about the fact that Freya comes in for her What We've Been Reading Lately corner and has this like million book list of, of things. And Macy's <laughs> like, oh, yes, and I read two million words of fanfic. And I'm like, I watched like four episodes of a show, I guess. <laughs> I listened to a podcast. So I like just in the past three weeks since we recorded the last episode of Tentfuls, I have read a bunch of books and it's been wonderful to like be able to pick what books mm -hmm. I get to read again. Uh, and yes, as, as Freya mentioned, I am also going to be branching out into hybrid publishing. Never fear, I still, like, I love so much about Tradpub, uh, traditional publishing, for those of you who don't know jargon. Um, and, like, I love working with a team. I love all of the editors that I have worked with, but I write really fast. I write, I wrote like 400,000 words of fanfic last year. And, uh, and Tradpub only has capacity for so much per author. So I'm still working out, like, how I want to do this, what genres I want to do. I'm checking, like, my existing contracts with my traditional publishers to make sure there's not going to be any conflicts, handling all that side of things. But then, yes, I look forward to writing a lot more and publishing things for people to read. What yeah. about you guys? I'm gonna learn the harp. You're learning the harp? Yes, yes. Well, you already I started really doing that, yes. Amazing. I am learning the harp. I am looking forward to reading more nonfiction mm. again, right? Because um, that takes an amount of brain. Yeah. And I kind of agree, Alex, that like sometimes, certainly in the past year and a half of Panini, executive function is hard mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. right now. And like focus is hard. Yep. And so I can read 2 million words of fanfic. Can I read 50 pages of a book? I cannot, you know? Yep. So... I'm looking forward to rediscovering that. What else? And just like, 
I sometimes have a really hard time writing my own work when I'm reading um, fiction. And so almost I feel like I will be able to write more when mm. we're not regularly reading fiction. Mm. Um, because I find that it gets into my head in a way and it makes it harder for me to get into the heads of my characters because yeah. I, I'm a very discovery writer, right? So I need to be inhabiting them. And when I'm inhabiting somebody else's head because I'm reading the book about them, that kind of disconnects me from my work. Yeah, it's disruptive. So, yeah, yeah, for me. Um, and it's sometimes I find that also my prose tone will shift, mm -hmm. particularly if the author has a strong voice yes. and my prose yes. will shift. Yes, that um, happens to me as well. Hmm. How about you, Freya? The last couple of years have been a bit weird, and partly that's because the ice rink has been closed for yeah. big, big chunks of it. And the ice rink takes up about six hours of my week. Like, I do four one-hour sessions, plus I have to do, like, warm-up before I go there, mm. and then I have to, like, take my skates off and come home and stretch and things. So that has given me, like, six extra hours in the week, which I have usually filled with reading or watching things. Mm. And part of that is because I have kind of been throwing myself into reading to ignore everything else that's right. happening in the world. I would, I'm going to hope that my total amount of books read is not going to increase an enormous amount because I would like to make more use of the time that I have for writing. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see if I can write a little bit more time-wise in the week. I have not been great about writing productivity. I have just been throwing myself into consuming other things and avoiding the writing that I need to do. So I would like to see if I can get more written. I'm never going to reach Alex's heights of uh, <laughs> prolificness, but I would like to write a little bit more, especially because if my future goal is one day to be able to support myself writing, uh, rather than at the moment heading in a hybrid direction, I am heading in a writing in two genres at once. Yep. Possibly under a different pseudonym, but I am hoping to branch out into romance mm. as as a genre and write things that are definitely romance rather than just fantasy wearing mm. very, very strong romance cosplay. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> so more writing and more skating is what I'm hoping to do with that time. Nice. So Macy is taking this segue opportunity to seize control of the means of production and forcibly requisition the next yes. 15 minutes for mandatory mm -hmm. nostalgia time. So here's what's shocking to me is that <laughs> Macy was the one to suggest, hey guys, don't you think it would be cool to have like in the middle of the episode, like some time to just talk about what the podcast has meant to us. And I'm sitting here thinking like, bitch, every time that I have tried to be sincere in the last four years, I have gotten comprehensively squashed for my trouble. And now you come into my house and you say, let's be sincere in front of the podcast home audience. How dare you is my first question. How dare you? Listen, listen. I did not intend this so much as what it has meant to us as just like revisiting our past favorites. It you know? sounded a whole lot more sentimental when you were wording it to us, I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, I, as I have said, I have the situational memory of a goldfish right now. My brain is not mm. storing more than three sentences at once. So Convenient. I will have to believe you. No, no. I mean, I'm saying that I believe I'm you, you. Not me. Okay, okay. 
Okay. But also, I feel like if we say, here is our 15-minute nostalgia corner, it's like we've drawn a little boundary around, this is the box where the sincerity goes, <laughs> and we can just not let it leak out into the rest of the episode. Freya. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, my question for my fellow serpents is, what have you learned over the past four years? It can be about yourself, uh, about podcasting, about what you like, about anything at all. What have you learned? I have learned more about delegating and working together on a team. Mm. Um, before, this is the first group project that I have done in my life, which was successful, Aww. right? Because like you have, I mean, like you try to co-write something with sure. someone and one person is less invested than the other person, or you have a group pro project assigned at school and one person ends up doing all of the work and everyone else is slacking mm. off. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, it was a really good experience to... Um, have this podcast where we're all like very type, type A. A and we're all kind of like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're all very like take charge. Bit. We were all the person who did all of the work in our school yes. project. Right. Uh, and like looking back at the the first few episodes before we kind of settled out into what our system was, mm -hmm. we were all kind of trying to do all of the work because we kind of expected right. that we would all have to be the one to do all of the work. Uh, and so it's been cool to kind of like see the various tasks settle out over time to like mm. who does what mm. uh, according to our strengths. Like Macy is very, very good at remembering the titles of things. I have ADHD. So if you <laughs> ask me, Alex, what is a book that has a non-binary character in it? I'm like, I have never read a book with a non-binary <laughs> character in my life. What's non-binary? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and Freya is very good at thinking of discussion questions and organizing the the oh, dot points Ravenclaw, for the episode delegate, <laughs> yes. delegate yeah. dot point yes and then i do the audio editing to like yeah. make everyone sound and you, cool you've learned a lot about audio editing i have i think i've gotten i've gotten a lot better at that i've gotten a lot faster at that too mm -hmm. you are hmm. a professional yeah. yeah i feel like being in this podcast a hundred episodes a hundred episodes of literary analysis has been a genuine masterclass in mm. story. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 absolutely. This is basically I... a PhD. <laughs> oh, I mean, I could not imagine a better way to expand my own understanding accidentally yeah. of things like structure and character and what uh, Yoon was talking about on Dreamwith a couple of months back as butter. As like the, 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 the nice things that people are drawn to, like the, the attraction points. Mm. Why does this story work? What is the thing that makes it sparkle and shine? Yeah. And it's up to each of us, because we don't do this on the podcast, to take that back and apply it to our work. But I feel like all three of us have grown immeasurably as writers, kind of by accident, mm. through this project. I would, I would completely agree. Mm. I would completely agree with that. And also like... My literary criticism has also gotten a lot better as well, which is a much more like direct and obvious line. But, you know, let's right. say it. Yeah. How about you, Freya? You don't get away with not answering. No, no. And I was going to answer in a fairly similar way to you in mm. that coming from a background of science, I right, have also exactly. kind of always a little bit thought, what if, what if I went back to university and did like a master's in English? What if I actually yeah. got to dig into some of this chewy analysis stuff in a more creative mm -hmm. field? And this really has been like doing a four-year coursework-based <laughs> master's degree where every two yep, weeks mom. you have to write an analytical paper comparing three texts. 
yep. I am so yep. happy that you lot have never made me write this as a paper because this is so much fucking easier to do with dick jokes. Yeah. True. But at the same time, like every t- every episode, we end up with organized dot points that could very easily be turned into an essay, except we get to yell them with dick jokes instead. Dear listeners, did you know, if you haven't looked at any of our transcripts, they run eleven to 12,000 words an episode. Jesus Christ. And only 2,000 of those words are dick joke based. That's a million words. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, God. Okay. That's so many words. So, yeah. So, I have also learned a huge amount about textual analysis. It has made me yeah. incredibly comfortable in panels oh, uh, yes. and in interview Definitely. settings. So, I feel like I could waltz onto a panel at a convention on almost anything. Oh, yeah. And be able oh, to yeah. come up with a few texts to talk about, um, help embroider other people's discussion points, leave space for other people to talk. Like, I think it has made me a good participant in this kind of public discussion. Yes. It's also like jumping off of that moderating panels, particularly, because when we started, I was terrified of ever moderating a panel. And now I am like, yes, I will moderate a panel. I will actually assign dot points to my participants so that everybody knows the organizational structure and what we're going to cover and has time to think (laughs) about what they're going to say about these questions. Alex is like, you can't be worse than my toddlers. Yeah, you can't be worse than my toddler. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. I have to deal with two gremlins. <laughs> I guess I've also learned to throw away self-consciousness about speaking. Mm. Like, I have a lot of vocal fry. Fuck, who cares? Yeah, like, right? I, you know, I don't go back and listen to the episodes very often, but I think I probably could, and I would still be able to do that without so much self-consciousness. Yeah, that has been good. As I said, I still have a thing about videoing myself, but I am mm. much happier to at least mm. record my voice. Yeah. That's and I'm also, I'm, I think we're all a lot more used to the sound of our own voices now, too. <laughs> that, that's a mood. Yeah. Yep. Especially me. Uh, Macy, you have a question for us. I did. Over the course of all of these episodes we've done, what are some of you guys' favorite moments? Favorite either like realizations and like, light bulb moments that you've had or your favorite rant by another serpent i oh the thing that immediately sprung to mind which you didn't quite mention in your list of things um uh it's time to get buff in the emotional way yes the emotional labor way <laughs> it's time to get buff in the emotional labor way that's the right that's right way. yeah mm. what even episode was that from? uh it was about the witcher I think it was about a Witcher fic, not the Witcher TV show. What? This was the one where we like completely did not understand how the Witcher worked at all and decided that Amir was a werewolf and said Geralt the whole time? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) something, something. Anyway. That was one of my favorite moments. So we kept talking about putting that on a (laughs) t-shirt and we never got around to doing it. (laughs) We never got around to it. I can't think of a specific moment, but I really like it when threads or themes or in-jokes keep popping up mm. and we somehow make those little connections and go, oh, actually, this is a Heros Gamos thing or yeah. this is a fealty thing or you know any of those tropes that have become shorthand for stuff that the serpents like mm. uh, has shown up and it just gives me this or lovely Or we say sense. the word slurpence. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> but, you know, yeah, we've been going is. for four years. It really makes me appreciate how much you can build up like a you know a very long running tv yeah. show can build up jokes over time here's the terrible thing though here's the best in joke which is that macy says the husbands and wives show <laughs> and every single fucking time i have to stop and say macy you 
you can't trust that the audience has been here the entire time and remembers all of our stupid in-jokes. You have to tell them what that TV show is called. It's called Person of Interest. (laughs) This is... Okay, so here's the thing that I have learned from the episode, which is how to set up enrichment pumpkins for my favorite serpent okay <laughs> and that is an alex enrichment pumpkin yes it gives oh, alex something to do <laughs> it gives alex something to yell about alex it gives alex to do. A, a transition it gives alex a transition into alex's alex little yeah. corner because you can yell at me for that and then do whatever you want no, I don't have a question for either of you. I am going to have a sub-corner to this corner. Uh, we have Macy's Nostalgia's Corner, and then inside, nested inside that, <laughs> cradled tenderly in its arms, we have Alex's Fun Facts Roasting Macy and Freya for their Verbal Ticks Corner. <laughs> and Pour one out for the audio editor. <laughs> pour one out for your poor audio editor. We love you. My God. <laughs> My god, you guys. Four years of listening to your wretched voices. I am sick and tired of the following things. Freya, I am sick and tired of you starting things with I was going to say. Fair enough. It makes it absolutely impossible to edit if so instead of instead of just like starting your thought over so that I can delete whatever gremlin nonsense came before it I have to leave the gremlin nonsense in so that because you're I anyway I was going to say and then you just like you say it so fast and lead it into the next thing it's impossible I cannot stand it your monologues you go on forever yes I do I can't edit those out either <laughs> because I wish I could verbal inflections were enrichment pumpkins but no <laughs> They're just Freya talks too fast. The Australian bushfire rant. The Australian bushfire one. That is the famous one. Yes, indeed. But I will say, okay, credit where it's due. Freya's rants are significantly more on point. Yes. And funnier. At this point in the podcast, they like they are much more concise. They're more concise. They're more well organized. (laughs) They're more eloquent. They are more like she says smart things. I don't know that I would say funnier. I would say that they have more like meaty, yeah, more like meaty content to them. Yeah. Right. You know, like, like Freya is the one who says, okay, okay, you guys have been like playing around. Now I'm going to like stop this nonsense and actually like say something serious and distill everything and say something serious. Yeah. Yes. You can't, you can't take the monologuing out of the girl, but the monologues have managed to get a bit better. Um, you mentioned your vocal fry. Actually, as your audio editor, I've noticed your vocal fry and I don't care about it. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not, I don't care for it. I just don't care about it. You can keep having your vocal fry. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. That's the thing. Like, I, I, also I notice some, it some when other today. podcasters have it, but I just don't give a shit. I'm like, that's just a normal mm, variation right. in voice. So. It's just like, yeah, it's just I think it's just the thing is. that, yeah. like, uh, people like to be rude about women having sometimes in public yes. and that can make you self-conscious about yes. it. Yes. And notice that the things that I am roasting you about are things that you could choose not to do (laughs) you could choose not to do these things Uh, vocal fry is just how your voice is like that's fine like you can have your voice however it is macy it's your turn (laughs) your wretched mouth noises macy the sheer variety of wretched mouth noises that come out of your wretched gremlin mouth I am sick of them. I am tired of them. Let me tell you a thing. Every single time. It hasn't been for every one of the last hundred episodes because it took a while for me to notice this and then a little while more for me to become annoyed by it. 
<laughs> but every time I sit down to to edit the the episode, the first thing I do is do a noise reduction, which is when you find a section of silence or what should be silence. And usually it's about like 20 seconds long. You copy it. You tell your program, look, this is noise. Erase everything that sounds like this. Macy is so good at active listening. <laughs> Macy that cannot she says, be erased. <laughs> she cannot be erased because she keeps saying, mm-hmm, uh-huh, ah, mm. Just like making these noises the whole way through. And so I always have to scroll through Macy's audio way longer than I do for either mine or Freya's to find 20 seconds of silence. Macy, can you be, can you be silent for 25 no. seconds? No, no, no. Uh, the other thing that I have to rant about and rant to Macy about is that she's absolutely incapable of maintaining a consistent distance from her microphone. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes she'll be right up here. Sometimes she will be right <laughs> on top of her microphone and she'll be p -p 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 putting her all of her plosives <laughs> right into the microphone. Drives me insane. Dri drives me insane, I gotta say. <laughs> Sometimes she'll be way back here because she's been laughing or she's relaxed and she's just decided that this is now lounging time. <laughs> and it makes it very difficult to like have a consistent volume all of the way through the episode. I have to stop ranting now because I feel like I'm getting a little bit het up, as it were. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me this time to just like vent all of my rage. We still, we still love you. I really enjoy our getting to be absolute horrible gremlins yes. to like insane degree, like huge degrees of laughter. I'm remembering stuff like reading out the terrible mermaid sex toy description oh, yes. in the mermaid yes. episode, mm. or like yeet in the wormholes episode, <laughs> deciding God, that wormholes that were for yeeting. Yeah, and I'm gonna we've had that. some good jokes. We've had <laughs> yeah. some real good jokes. Would you like to transition us out of the nostalgia corner and sure. uh, back to questions or comments? We have a lovely message from Sarah, which says, I am a high school teacher, and in January 2020, I was teaching sophomore world literature when I heard your very first episodes. I immediately wanted to tell everyone I knew about these stories and have a million conversations about them, but... Everyone I knew was a teenager. Oh no, so don't, please don't, please don't recommend our podcast to teenagers. Uh, not as a teacher, no. Not as a um, teacher. If you are a teenager listening to our podcast, that's probably fine. Sorry yes. about the dick jokes. Hope we didn't get you in trouble. Um, that, that. <laughs> but yes, um, let them make their own decisions. Um, so, Sarah made a utopia dystopia unit of the lottery, the ones who walk away from Omalas, the ones who stay and fight, and singing my sister down. Allegedly, the unit was to practice sat multiple choice skills, but it was really an excuse for me to hear all kinds of analysis about these stories. A couple of years and a whole pandemic later, and I still have students who come back to tell me how much they enjoyed these stories, and how our discussions and projects really made them think about the world differently. That is so cool. Like it arranging really cool. a class like uh, with with tent poles with like here's three yeah. things like compare contrast them and like talk about how they they intersect. That is like so so neat. I'm so glad that that worked for you, Sarah. That sounds like a really fun class. 
right? Yeah, Especially yeah, taking real. the Jemison answer to Omalas mm. and putting that like next to it. That's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think a, a thing that we, we forget in literary criticism classes is that it is all one conversation, right? Mm-hmm. All authors are responding to things that they have read before or responding to each other. And mm-hmm. so putting putting things in juxtaposition like that makes that a whole lot clearer. Yes. I also, I saw someone on Twitter uh, today say that they thought that they had thought the whole time that when we say tentpole, that we meant tadpole. And I just thought why? that was really cute. That because is just cute. how we pronounce it. Oh, tentpole. Tentpole. Uh, we have another message from, I'm sorry if this is Kiara or Ciara. Um, just wanted to take the time to say how much I have loved listening to this podcast over the past couple years. Aww. It is really such a highlight of my week every time a new episode comes out. Aww. It's helped me to start to feel brave enough to start doing a little writing myself, which has been really fun. Yay! Yay! Well Freya, Freya, super excited for A Marvelous Light to come out in Ireland. I can't wait to fall in love with your world building. Alex, your unrestrained enthusiasm for beautiful sad Aww. boys is honestly <laughs> gas and makes me laugh every time it comes up. Macy, you've taught me to pay so much more attention to music and funky plants, and it brings it brings so much joy to my day when I notice those details. And here's a couple questions for the extravaganza. Uh, is there a work we we just picked one of them since we're we're running low on time, but is there a work that you're not yet writing, but just letting simmer away in the back of your mind that you can give us a glimpse of? I have an answer to you guys. I will mention two. Uh, Simmering away in the back of my mind is a dark fantasy academia, but make it medical school and funny, Mm. which I would really like to do one day. And also an ensemble space opera. This one. Yes, an ensemble space opera possibly based around the space sport that I invented for Yuri on Ice fan fiction. Mm. Null Gravity Ballet. Null Gravity Ballet. And gay space spies. See, that one is also simmering away, but it's like in the naughty corner because I know it I know it, it has to exist. And every time I look at it, I think, oh God, the amount of work that needs. I do want it to exist. It is in the simmering. It is simmering away in the corner. I feel like that one's in like a slow cooker. Yeah. 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 For me, I really want to write the sequel to Choir of Lies. Um, which wasn't going to be possible yes. when I was still only doing trad pub, but branching out oh. into hybrid, it means that that is now a real possibility that that's a thing mm-hmm. that I could write and publish. Um, and so that is about what Ilfing does after he leaves Hairland in A Choir of Lies and he goes and, and does some deeply epic shit. Listeners, like, Alex has such cool timey wimey bullshit plan okay with that yes. one. okay okay really cool. don't say don't say alex has because it was because we went to sushi at worldcon <laughs> in 2018 and you were like alex let's talk about your magic system it's based on time is shugwa your fucky shadow god really a time traveling astronaut from the future and i said what the fuck was that and as it turned out maybe no spoilers. Yeah, maybe. I have to say, I can highly recommend as a as an author sitting down and having Macy say, "Let's talk about your magic system," because yeah, amazing <laughs> things result every time. I have already done this to at least two separate NaNoWriMo writers this month. You're like the shadow queen behind the throne for like yeah. half of the publishing industry. I just find it really easy to ask questions until yeah. people figure out themselves. Yeah. 
which is so useful. You're pretty good at that. It's great fun. But um, back of my mind, simmering away, for me, this would have to be the Demon Knights book. Oh, yes. Um, Mm. Yeah, in in which the, the sort of undead demonic knights in this medieval world wakes up at the bottom of the pond and is sent out on a quest into the wilderness by her liege to defeat a great evil, which turns about turns out to be her wife, who she thought she murdered 20 years ago. Mm. And all sorts of cool shit, like the demons that possess you and let you do magic are actually mushrooms. It's like fungal spawn. It's all your things. That possess mm-hmm. you. It's all going to be great. And like, yeah. Very like Wei Wushan in the Yiling Patriarch phase mm. for the wife, you know. Very it's good. Like, is she really being evil? Well, she is killing people a lot, and we generally discourage that. Sure. That is some good simmering. <laughs> uh, so our next question is just another lovely message that was sent in. So Melissa said, I've loved listening to Be the Serpent for the last few years. You all have taught me so much about connecting tropes, creating taxonomies, and the value of all kinds of art. Not to mention you've given me a massive list of recommendations to hand out at work at my library. Yes. <laughs> you've also yes, been a huge Yes. You've also been a huge factor in me no longer being embarrassed to talk about how much fic I read. So thank you. Good for you. Good for you, Melissa. Good for you. Uh, I'm getting a little choked up about that. Yep. Uh, also, I thought you all might enjoy the very specific and random way you've affected my brain. During COVID, I've been editing videos for my dad's church, and at the end of every sermon, he talks about the comment card where people can leave comments and questions. And every single time, my brain expects him to add the term breathless adulations in the exact same tone of voice you all use. Disappointingly, it has not yet actually happened. Let's, that is amazing. Uh, Let's do it in unison. Let's do it in unison. On three. One, two, three. Questions, comments, comments breathless adulations. That was terrible. So <laughs> I have to confess here, which is about four or five months ago, I was giving a very important presentation to a oh, I VP remember this. <laughs> at my company who was going to get to decide whether my team would have enough people in it for the next year or get disbanded and i got to the end and i said questions comments <laughs> and i felt myself in hell <laughs> and i watched my entire life pass before my eyes and i managed to bite down before the bee could emerge but it was right there and they gave me some strange looks over video but luckily it just was like i just hiccuped or something it's fine nobody saw that none of you listened to my podcast so none of you knew what almost happened <laughs> ah, yeah, that's very good beautiful. you think it's bad for you lot imagine what it's like for each of us i've never had this problem you don't have to go to meetings. Yeah. I don't yeah, have a day have to job. Go to meetings is the problem. <laughs> to boring tech people. Whereas I work, I also work in medical education, so I do a lot of ending with questions, comments, questions, and then having to bite comments. back on the breathless adulations. So. <laughs> you should just start saying breathless adulations. Ellie. Speaking of questions, comments, and breathless adulations. We also were commenting earlier on how cute it is that several of you organized your questions, comments, and breathless adulations by those and taxonomies. Label, label them. Them. Yes. Like, label and labeled them. Yes, labeled them in our emails very cute we appreciate very cute so bridget wrote to us with a comment 
congratulations on making it to your hundredth episode. I hope your Thank hiatus you. is very restful. So do we, Bridget. So do yeah, we. So do we. Um, <laughs> it's already pretty restful. It's pretty restful. It's NaNoWriMo. How is it rest? Anyway. Well. Um, I will be ready to listen if ever you decide to take a hiatus on the hiatus and record new episodes. Should we mention that we will be doing at least... Are we Are we doing a Taste of Golden Iron episode next year? Yeah. So yeah. we will probably be doing more episodes in the future, Bridget. Here and there, we'll be doing one for... for taste of golden iron in when's the due date uh Alex? end of june it comes out june 21st june. so we'll probably do so. one to come out in mid-july or so yes a mm -hmm. little bit yes. after give people a chance to read it and then yes. come and interact rather than having spoilers for something you haven't yep. read yet yep and the breathless adulation thank you for putting your podcast out in the world it's one of my absolute favorites and a go-to listen when i need some comfort I finally caught up to the current release, so I've gone back from the start. You have more stamina, Bridget, than any of us do. I, at the beginning of the pandemic, do you guys remember when I was going to, like, like binge all of the episodes? Like, I remember you mm. saying that. I did not. <laughs> I did not do that. <laughs> I, Bridget goes on to say, I've discovered so many new favorite things from you three. Gems like the Untamed and the Goblin Emperor and Astolat. You are 98% responsible for getting me back into reading fanfiction after a break of more than 10 years. Aww. And it's such a joy. Aww. I'm really happy for you. Fanfiction hey, is a joy. we're yes. really glad. And then a question. As someone who has a lot of internalized shame around creativity and fandom and associated pursuits, I'm kind of fascinated by how people manage to have the belief in themselves and trust that their future self will persevere with their goals. So at what point... Did you decide or realize that your writing hobby could become a writing career? I decided that I wanted to be a writer when I was 11 years old. And so it never really was a hobby. I just went straight to career mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. just kept my eyes fixed on that goal until I was 26 and got my first book. To, well, technically until I was 22 and self-published my first book. And then mm -hmm. when I was 26 and got my first trad pub book deal. So it has, it has never really been a, a hobby for me. <laughs> um, the great thing about a writing career is that it's a tough game. It is a tough game, I am not going to lie to you. But the only way that you can lose is by giving up. And so the way that you survive the publishing industry is just be a cockroach and don't <laughs> let them fucking kill you. Uh, if you can survive the nuclear winter, you can survive the publishing industry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, it's going to be a bit more recent than people think. I think mm. it was when I got my agent. Because mm. up to that point, I'd had a couple of short stories appear in various places. But I knew I wasn't really a short story writer, so that didn't feel particularly career-y. It was just, I'd been experimenting with some short fiction. I had a couple of things accepted. But I knew I didn't want to be a short fiction writer. So that was just very much in the hobby space. Like, it wasn't sure. something I was mm. wanting to do long-term or make a lot of money out of. And when I wrote my first book, the one that was that became A Sword on Two Fingers, that was still kind of in the hobby space in my mind. It was more of a, sure. let's see if I can write a novel, and I'll do that by writing something that feels so self-indulgent that it just feels like a treat to myself, rather than something that will mm. actually be sold. Uh, and it only really became real and careery with a capital C when I went through the process of querying uh, and getting agent offers 
and that was just like being sat down and whacked over the head with a actually people who are gatekeepers to a certain extent in this industry think that you've got something here think that yeah. you have enough je ne sais quoi <laughs> um yeah so pe- people who know the industry think that you have what it takes to write something that might sell uh, and therefore mm. it could become a career and up to that mm. point i hadn't really let myself think about it in those terms because i already had a career and i'd spent a very long time firmly moving writing into a this is a hobby yeah. this is something i do on the side this is not something that's ever going to support me and so over the past 3 years i have slowly been transitioning towards a point where i would like to have it be my main career but it has been a slow transition and it's been made up of a lot of little validations and seeing how other people are doing it surrounding myself by other people mm-hmm. for whom it is a career has been really mm-hmm. really useful mm-hmm. whereas if we're defining career as a thing you do to earn your living i don't know if i'm there Mm. Uh, even at the point that I think that it could right I think that for me it's going to take selling something for me to be able to really kind of hold that in my hands as a physical object Mm. Mm. as a as like a future yeah and decide if that's something you want yeah yeah I I think like there's there's two things right there's two ways to read this question um writing career as in a thing that you think alongside your day job you could put effort in and try to do for real try to get published for real not just write for yourself but try to write for a market and that 2015 uh, was when I decided that I would try to do that applying for viral paradise um, starting to go to conventions starting to try to finish my novels not just start them mm. learning to mm. edit and all of that but quitting my day job i don't know i don't know if i believe that this country and the state that i live in and the city that i live in can be a safe place for someone with that degree of income insecurity mm. and it seems like a lot of folks do move to massachusetts or other states that have healthcare that better supports that right um so yeah it's scary mm. right i think i don't think yeah. about a writing career as necessarily having to be that you can support yourself only well, from that. Well, that's kind of what I mean. There's yeah. like two two shapes of it. Mm. Yeah. And for me, yeah, I am there for one of those shapes. Is kind of yeah. what I'm saying. Mm. But I can't quite feel out the other one. It's cool that we have covered the entire spectrum of <laughs> of decision making. Like oh, when I was 11 years old versus a couple years ago versus I'm not quite there yet. Like mm. that's the entire uh spectrum right there. But I mean, I will also note like I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you keep, you keep trying. Sometimes you do. Because cockroach, be a cockroach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The game's only over when you give up and walk away. Your product, the things that you put out, have a relationship to the way that you feel about them and the way that you feel and conceive about yourself. But, like, nobody can divine one from the other. You know what I mean? mm like, someone can sell a book and not consider themselves to be an author, and you wouldn't be able to tell, like, what they feel about themselves yeah. from reading the book. I didn't really feel like an author until I got my trad pub book deal. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I would say I'm an author, but it didn't really feel official. Like, it didn't feel like right. I'd earned it, even though I had a self-published book out, right? Mm. Because, and a lot right. of that was, like, internalized bias against self-publishing, 
but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, the next question kind of ties in, right? Yes, that's a good mm. good point. Um, Nicole asks, how well does life as an author match your expectations of what it would be like? What do you wish you had known beforehand? You get so many free books when you are working oh in... Oh, my God. <laughs> so many free books when you are in the publishing industry. You two do. You need to ask for more. You need to... You do have to ask for them. You have to, Damn like, it. go up to people on Twitter and say... I am I know. shameless about this. <laughs> that's how that's Often how Freya things. gets so many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Freya, I mean, Freya's agent just gives them. Well, that's true. true. But also, I, I go to my agent and say, I would like this. Or I just slide into somebody's DMs and I'm like, can I have the, Can I have your book? Macy, Macy, you've had a, a Hugo-nominated podcast for four years. You now qualify as an influencer. You can, like... <laughs> not when we're, not when we're putting it on the shelf. Well, no, you still do. You still do. You're still a person who says things about books. You're known as that. And so, like, you mm. know people just, like, slide into their DMs and say, I really <laughs> am excited about your book. Can I have an arc? It's that easy. Maybe. And people are, like, yes. What else? How well does life as an author? I don't know if I had any expectations. I think I had more expectations about it being, like, more solitary than it is. It's a lot more communal. Mm. Yes. Mm. Like yes. The community matters so fucking much. Um, but that might also just be like a factor of how I have chosen to be an author. I don't think that's mandatory. I don't think it's mandatory, but I agree with you. Like it's it it takes a village, right? right. Like nobody writes a book all on their own. Right. Um, nobody raises a child all on their own. It, it takes a village. Um, well, it's interesting. I think some people do write a book all on their own. Yeah. And then find the community later. I'm just thinking of Sam Hawke. Mm good friend of mine, Sam Hawke, who wrote her first book entirely on her own, like with no writing community, no writing friends. And then only after getting representation through, you know, cold querying mm -hmm. the way that you do, and then getting a book deal, only then started attending conventions and discovering community. Mm. And I thought, I, I, I'm just so impressed. I don't know how anybody can <laughs> how, do how that. Would you, like, superhuman. How, how, how do you write something without having two really good friends where you can just hurl yourself into Slack and be like, I need to whine loudly. Hold my hand. My Hold, my, Hold hand. my hand. Everything is terrible. I replotted the entirety of Chalice like three times in the month before Nano. And every time I'm like landing on Jen Lyon's doorstep or landing on uh, like EJ Lomax's and being like, my book. What does Hold it my do? Hand. <laughs> yes. What is book? Yeah. Well, like, and I, most things that I write now, I have a few friends who I send each scene as it's done by email and demand validation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. With my, with my current NaNoWriMo, I am piling like every day's writing. I, um, I'm putting it into a Google doc and I send it to exactly one person because like every book is different. Right. Yeah, that's and also true. like, mm. Right. And and so this book apparently just doesn't want to be talked about to like anyone. Um, I, I have wondered where that. you've been in like the sprints and so forth. You just you, haven't you've existed. Been you've been unalexly quiet about it. You haven't been sprinting with us. Or no, I know. I've time. been I've been like huddled up like a gremlin and just like hunched over yeah. this book and just like very protective of it and like have not <laughs> talked about it or mentioned it. Yeah. Being an author is weird. Be being an author is weird and every book is different and apparently that's just what this book wants. So I, I don't yep. know what to tell yep. you. Yep. So our next message is from Lush Hell on Tumblr. Dear Servants, with the impending hiatus, I wanted to tell you how much I've appreciated your podcast. It revitalized my love of fiction and especially fandom and reminded me just how innovative and thoughtful and clever fan content can be. 
Thanks for bringing me back to something I forgot I loved. It's been a joy listening to your deep and hilarious <laughs> thoughts of literary merit. I can't overstate that. Best of luck with life and your works, and I am eagerly keeping an eye out for release dates. Aww, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very sweet. I also just want to make sure at this point in the podcast, I don't know, again, if we've said this out loud, everybody knows that deep literary merit is a dick joke, right? Yeah, I feel like they should at this point. I feel like you should have intuited it, but like in case you hadn't realized that. Given the amount of emphasis deep. we put on deep. <laughs> yeah. But also like it just makes me really happy to know that so many people have been reading more because mm. of this podcast. Yeah, that is you really know? cool. And just like rediscovering the joy of fandom and fanfic. Or and discovering it for the first time. Discovering even. it for and the like, first time. Feeling more confident about like expressing their enthusiasm for the things that they love. It's, right. it's cool. It's cool. We've, we've done some good things idea. here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> tell oh, them about, quick, quick, tell them quick about, sincerity. Yeah, back yeah, pedal, yeah. Sure, pedal. sure, sure. Tell faking Macy. the sincerity. Macy, tell them about the birds. Yeah, you guys sent me birds. <laughs> you guys sent Macy some birds. I was so happy. There were really nice chickens that looked really fluffy, and there were parrots and parakeets. And somebody sent us a lizard, and someone told us about their cow. And one of the parrots had a thank you note that it then ate. And someone, I think, sent us a picture of a pigeon. I don't know if it was your pigeon or just a, a pigeon. pigeon. Yeah. It's fine. We, got some we appreciate all of them. Many cool <laughs> pictures of birds. Yes, indeed. Thank you for finally sending me my birds. Cavern asks, so everyone always asks, what are you good at that would be useful in an apocalypse? Which I think is a boring question because I'd just die. So my question <laughs> is, what are you best at that would be least useful in an apocalypse? amazing question. i think it depends on the apocalypse but yeah if we go for you know uh, the australian drought dystopia i think figure skating figure will be skating. not <laughs> the kind of skill <laughs> that i would be expected to use i need a deep freeze winter apocalypse mm. then you do. but then all but you really need is the ability to stay upright on skates i feel like my ability to like do a flying camel spin or a you know do a lutz jump is not something that will be particularly conducive to survival <laughs> Yeah. You need an apocalypse that's not just cold, but also really windy, so it's not snow on top of mm -hmm. the ice, and also has drop bears for you to dodge. Sure. The only thing I could yes. consider this useful in is if it was like a <laughs> Hunger Games dystopia where we get thrown into oh, the sure. icy tundra and have to compete and entertain <laughs> entertain the rich people in charge. Dance on the ice. That's your that's your YA novel pitch, Freya. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If if it was any any sort of tech failure dystopia if anything not cyberpunk then honestly my ability to program computers is really not very helpful yeah under virtually any technology failure scenario mm. like maybe yes. it taught me basic logic but all that will do is get me into fights with people could you fix anything That's, could you like no. fix the technologies no. no, no, she needs because to have a command stuff, line like a John to fix Deere things. Tractor. <laughs> like, if you want to fix like a John Deere tractor whose software failed, I don't know how to do that. You want me to hack into a bank? I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. any of the useful tech stuff. I, I mean, don't on, know on an existential level, working as an SRE, I feel like by the time we hit tech failure apocalypse, your entire job has failed. Like, oh yeah, yeah, no, complete. I mean. 
being an SRE has taught me a lot about disaster management and resource management that would be super useful. But the coding completely like hit the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because a lot of my skills are still apocalypse useful. Like I have a lot of fiber arts. Mm-hmm. That's going to be useful in pretty much any apocalypse. Audio editing. Audio editing. There you go. Mm. That's completely unuseful. Yeah, un- unless it's one of those apocalypses where radio. But I feel like that's live radio. Important. You can't edit it. Well, I'm pretty good at reminding you guys to do better radio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alex would uh, Alex would become the audio director queen of the post-apocalyptic yeah. radio and say, yeah. "Macy, you are sitting too far away from your apocalyptic microphone." I will not be artistically repressed in this manner. <laughs> Which of us is going to write a novel about three people in the apocalypse trying to have a radio show? Because I think that would be, like, that would fun be as hell. That would be I real like... cute. It's like thin, a, like a thinly veiled version of us. That's a fiction podcast. It would have to be oh, a podcast. Oh, that's a fiction podcast, that's like, isn't it? I guess no. it's basically Night Vale. I don't know. I think yeah. it'd be good as a book. Freya, that's true. shall we lead us into yes. the last phase? Hey, we've given Freya an essay to read. The last phase of our wonderful 100th episode. We have a mini essay followed by a game, game. both of which were submitted by Sassy Snowperson. Thank you we so much. appreciate you. So, the message from Sassy Snowperson. Your podcast has kept me company through some really tricky times in my life and in, I'm saying gestures vaguely in brackets, all that. <laughs> I started listening pretty early, an enthusiastic Tumblr post slash PowerPoint presentation Magali. convinced me. Thank you to Magali for that <laughs> Thank PowerPoint you, presentation on Tumblr. And I'm so glad it did. You all got me reading again after the worst reading slump of my life mm-hmm. and then proceeded to make me feel much less alone as you all talked about your own changing media diets. My heart. You introduced me to my new favorite book, Goblin Emperor. Yay! Go read The Hands of the Emperor. Please continue. <laughs> and reminded me how much I love fic writers. Like you all. And Astolat, take a shot. <laughs> Very good. Uh, your podcast has been at the top of my queue since the beginning. Whenever a new one drops, I pretty much stop everything else to listen to it. You've made me laugh to tears and just generally been a moment of peace and respite in a hectic mm. life. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this with us. I'm so glad you did. It has genuinely been a small pleasure that's made my life better. I look forward to being able to buy and read everyone's books, which I'm sure will have the same effect. Freya, thank you for your sharp wit, your wide and enthusiastic book recommendations, and your unapologetic <laughs> love of OT3s. Your love of them has helped me better express my own. Yes! yes. Success! Very good. <laughs> Alex, thank you for your unashamed enthusiasm, the practical editing prowess that brought the podcast to us, and your love of sharing knowledge. I love it when you get excited and I know I'm about to learn something. Mm, thanks. Macy, thank you for your excitement about fucky plant bullshit, the fascinating <laughs> non-fiction wrecks you brought to the podcast, and the stories of your misspent youth. Oh, Macy's the misspent meat salesman segment mm. remains genuinely one of the funniest <gasps> things I've ever heard. That's possibly the best running joke of the podcast. I was think Macy's so. misspent youth. <laughs> Macy's you had you misspent a whole lot of your youth, your youth apparently. I really did. You really did. Mm. It's fine. Yeah, in various ways and various places. Uh, <laughs> shall I read the game? Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so. Uh, we are doing a heist game from Sassy Snowperson. So first of all, we are going to choose a location from one of our stories. Macy, pick a location from one of your books. I want to do Freya's Cottage. Oh, Sutton Cottage? Okay. I want to break yes, into Sutton, Sutton Cottage because it has plants that would be mad about that. Uh, and then an object. Freya, select an object from either my book or Macy's book. I was going to say, I would like it to be uh, one of your uh, luminescent plants. Yes. Ooh, okay, one of the stars in the marsh. Yes. Okay. 
The object is a yeah, star in the mosh in a little pot. In a little pot. Okay. Very expensive yeah. plant. Yes. Smells like rotting meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, an obstacle. Randomly select a person or thing from one of your stories that might stop someone from doing a heist. Uh, so I will pick from Macy's book then, since we have a Freya thing, a me thing. I will pick, I think Isabel oh, is the yep. person who currently owns this star in the marsh. Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah, and she is uh, interested in keeping a hold of it. She would be. Yeah, and she would be. And since she has like magic and stuff, she's a, she's a good obstacle. Uh, the members, each of you either deliberately select or randomly draw a character to be on a heist Shall team. Shall we do for once fandom characters rather than our characters? I just think that might be fun. I like doing our own. Yeah. I mean, if you, I, let's say, let's say you can pick whatever character you want. It can be one of your own or it can be a fandom character. You mm-hmm. don't have to pick one of your own. Okay, yes. then I am going to pick Otabek specifically from Freya's fairy tale verse. Ooh. Interesting. So what is his heist strength and heist weakness? He's very good at punching things and he's very determined and he's smarter than everybody thinks. What is his heist weakness? I guess he's not very subtle. Mm. He's not good at tricky stuff. Okay. So I'm going to go way back then and I'm going to nostalgically pick Luca from my sword book. Yeah. So his high strength is that he is good at... Uh, pretending like he's quite good Mm. at adapting to situations and pretending to be something that he's not uh and his heist weakness is that he is not particularly good at planning ahead Mm. he doesn't believe in plans he's a bit impulsive Mm -hmm. um well based on these two i will slightly unclench from my gremlin hunch over my current my current book Mm -hmm. and i will pick my new character florian his high strength is that he's a badass wizard. He is so good at magic boy stuff. Um, because, like, if we're going up against Isabel, right, mm. we kind of need a magic Somebody user magic. to, like, uh-huh. yeah, to, to counteract her, you know? Um, his highest weakness is that he's just, like, incredibly paranoid <laughs> of all things. And, like, and also that his magic is not inherent. He requires a, like basically mm. a fuel to mm. keep it going so if he runs out of that then um he is without his magic so how is he at teamwork <laughs> if he's he's paranoid. he is not not maybe great at <laughs> teamwork no he's not good at teamwork but he is very good he, because of the paranoia yes he's deeply untrusting this is not going to be a good heist team wow <laughs> okay well we're gonna get through it <laughs> i'm almost tempted then to swap for ziv if we're doing our own characters, then having Gremlin myself, if that's all right, mm-hmm. um, and not have sure. a three boys heist team. Um, okay, so, tell okay. us about tell us about Ziv and, and how they would operate. Ziv in Ziv is a non-binary thief, uh, mostly used she/her, uh, and surgeon, um, and likes breaking into high places and running along rooftops. Uh, okay, I think we useful. have our uh, team leader. <laughs> Yeah, I did that. So her highest strength, I guess, is climbing things. She's the rogue. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's the she, rogue. she is. Yeah. She is the rogue. Uh, her weakness is, if anyone gets injured, including your opponent, she is going to stop and heal them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That could be useful. So, how well do these three work together? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> not that great. I think Florian probably thinks that... Might this work best if he hired the other two? Mm. Oh, he could have hired the other two. Yes, he does have some money. 
Yes, let's say that he hired the other two, and then he I would feel be like a little for a bit paranoid more paranoid person. Mm, yeah, he would be a little bit more inclined to trust them if he knew what they were getting out of it, i.e., being paid by him. Yes, yes. and if he um, was in charge, you know. Yes, I think that's the other thing. He wants to feel like he's in control specifically. Not so much in charge, but in control because paranoia. Sure. Yeah. What is their first approach? Well, so Isabel, it may be worth describing what Isabel's setup is for the listeners a little bit, which yeah. is yeah, noble. Um, her family is very rich. They own an island. It's a volcanic island. There are not very many harbors. Um, and she has, you know, a fancy mansion that's probably not particularly well guarded by people, but like it's on a volcano in the middle of the sea. Yes, I think that they're planning to attend, or at least Florian is planning to attend, uh, because he is a noble boy. He's planning to attend a party that she is throwing um, and do some subtle magics whenever he has an opportunity to to find out where the star in the marsh is and then communicate it to Ziv and Luca. If you are setting this... Is Luca there, like, as his boyfriend? Probably yes. Like, he, w- he would definitely yeah. be up for some <laughs> fake dating. But I'm saying if you're going to set this yeah. in Sutton Cottage, so let's say that Sutton Cottage is now Isabel's... Oh, it, you're right. Let's that, it that is now Isabel's fancy house. The main thing about Sutton Cottage is that it is more magical than you think it is. Uh, and in unpredictable ways. And it will, res- and it will mm. protect the interests of its current owner. Which is mm. Isabel. So the main obstacle mm. slash opponent would become the house. But that might not be obvious ah. to the, the planning t- stage. That would be more of a, oh shit, mm. look what's happened now kind of thing. So if we swan up to the doorway with Luca with, on the arm of mm-hmm. Florian, um, mm. as, uh, I mean, best bros in Freya's setting, right? Because we're not so much queer outness. What is this setting? I think we have anyway, a setting. We've it's just got like Isabel living at Sutton stuff. Cottage. We can yeah. have whatever. Ziv has been known to play the manservant and doesn't particularly give a shit and will happily, yeah. like, doesn't have the pride to care, will happily yeah. go in as that. How is Sutton Cottage going to take this infiltration? Well, is Sutton Cottage going to well, notice? Well, let's say if it's a party, then Sutton Cottage is expecting that there's a lot of random people wandering around. Um, but it also, I haven't quite worked this out. This is something that I'm working out in my third book is Sutton Cottage in particular responds primarily to the will of the owner. Like there is some inherent magic uh, that can operate independently of the owner, but not a lot. So as long as you can distract Isabel and make her feel calm Mm. and safe and nothing's happening, I'm just busy with my party, you can probably get away with quite a lot before the house notices, unless Mm. Isabel has used some kind of magic to put some kind of ward or something around the the flower i'm thinking though if it's isabel she put the flower in the middle of the maze Ooh. yeah she would do that she would do that because she would so, so it... florian comes to the party and casts this spell of his yeah and what is how does that work i think it would probably manifest for him as like feeling drawn to mm-hmm. it so he would see the direction well, that would be useful would... in a maze yes 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 but the maze doesn't like anyone with magic, right? That's true. Now I'm envisaging one of those hilarious trust exercises where one person has the instructions and the other person has to do the thing. So Luca has to go into the maze. Here's, here's and... what it is. Here's what it is. Basically, Luca has a magical Bluetooth like thing. Uh, yep. thing in his ear. And Florian is like magically telling him where to go. 
and like directing him through the maze. Mm-hmm. Some even more fun, yes. Alex. Zip has probably had to get Florian up a tree so Florian can <laughs> see where Luca is. Unless he's scrying by magic. Okay, so the obstacle interferes with their... So we have a list of questions, mm-hmm. dear listeners. The first one being, yeah. well, how does the obstacle interfere? The obstacle interferes by saying none of the mages can enter the maze. Yep. Yes. And so their backup plan is send Luca. Luca in, and Luca is going to pretend yes. to be drunk. Probably doesn't need to pretend to be drunk <laughs> we love that at this him. point. Nobody else is watching, but Luca has just decided that his character just wants has to. gotten drunk and wandered into the maze, and he is committed. <laughs> For the vibes. For the vibes. For the exactly. vibes, yes. What if somebody comes, what happens if somebody comes across Florian and Up Ziv, though? <laughs> or scrying. Or scrying, mm, yeah, yeah. So let's say somebody bursts into the room where the scrying is happening. They would be, okay, so that's suspicious because, like, why are you scrying in the middle of this party? Mm. Um, I kind of picture them like it's a garden party and they're, like, off to one side behind some mm. bushes, like, subtly. And Luca is yelling into his Bluetooth, pretend to be drunk. It's working for me. Pretend that you're throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> they get interrupted and the, the link is broken. Okay. Let's say that. Yep, yep. Oh, and so Luca and is Luca's in. on his own. Yeah, so Luca's in the, ma- in the, the maze alone. And doesn't have directions. Luca has dyscalculia and a terrible sense of direction. So this is going to go very badly. (laughs) It's one of his canonical things is that he has no sense of direction and is terrible at finding his way. So... Well, Incredible. okay, so this is the point at which Ziv ends up climbing the mansion to have yes. a view there you and go. to be able to do the guide that way as Florian has to lead whoever tracked them down around in circles so as not to set off an alarm, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, so, yes, so Ziv climbs up to, like, do visual directions um, the old-fashioned way and Florian is going... I think Florian is actually, like, going down to the party to distract everyone mm-hmm. so that nobody, like, looks up and sees Ziv on the, <laughs> on the roof. He's, like, doing some magic performance. He's, like, doing some cool illusions and stuff to keep everyone, like, Very looking nice. at him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do they get Luca back out of the hedge? Let's... Okay, well, I think Luca probably has enough experience getting lost in places uh, that he's leaving some kind of breadcrumb. Like, he's do- he's left mm. some kind of trail I- for himself that he can get back out again. I also, I guess I just kind of feel, when we're talking about what is their clever getaway, and we're talking about these three, in the back of my head is like, what fucking clever getaway? This is a, like, the car is yeah. on fire. Yeah. Like, they are just fleeing into the world. They have the thing they wanted. Were they subtle about it? No, no, no. <laughs> I think the clever getaway, like they probably, Florian probably planned out something like better, but at this uh-huh. point, it's just like. I think Florian has to make it part of the magic show now that he's like being distracting. He's going to have to do something yeah, to. Maybe he, maybe like everyone, probably everybody knows about the star in the marsh that, mm. that Isabel has. So maybe he creates like this illusion of like oh, a whole field of, of the star in the marsh, like yeah. hundreds of them to like honor their hostess. Yep. Right. And so the fact that Luca is now obviously carrying one. Right. right. And Luca just like shoves it in his coat and just like power walks over <laughs> to the car. <laughs> And they, yep, I feel like by this time in this setting, Ziv would absolutely know how to jumpstart someone else's car. Fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. So that's how that heist goes. Well, that and was basically, fun. Florian's sitting there going, I regret my hirelings. I regret everything. <laughs> Luca had a wonderful time and would like to go again. <laughs> yep. And Ziv is just like, the things I do for money. <laughs> well, that was fun. That was a fun game. That was a really game. fun game. And... Thank perfectly timed also darling listeners over. thank you so much for being with us through 100 episodes holy yeah. shit 
um we're gonna record the intro and outro tomorrow so we'll probably have some more like final thoughts for you so future alex look forward like super future alex look forward to tomorrow future alex and what they said that you there's just like a lot of timeline (laughs) stuff going on here i'm just gonna we're getting a bit existential wrap it up we love you very much and we're very good at very good at radio if you take anything away from this podcast remember that we were very good at radio Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent. A podcast of extremely, extremely, extremely deep literary merit. We did it! We did it! We We did it! (laughs) Will we ever say the words extremely deep deep literary literary merit ever again? Well, we have at least we have at least one episode that we're doing next year. For um, a taste of golden iron, so we'll say it at least one more time. I'm, I'm sure the cadences will just fall back I'm into sure, our voices naturally. I'm sure. Oh my goodness, a hundred episodes, four years, hundred episodes. This it feels like such a great accomplishment. Um, dear listeners, <laughs> thank you so much for sending in so many amazing questions. Um, even in two hours, we didn't have quite enough time to get through all of them. So if you didn't hear your question, um, we still love you. We still love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. There were just so, so many questions that we got this time. Wow. Uh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if you got, were you guys also feeling overwhelmed? I think we're just, yeah, it's been a, a lot of four years. It's been yeah, a lot. It has. It has. But here is where we would usually uh, talk a little bit about what's coming up. But we don't really know. And so while your questions, comments, and breathless adulations are, as always, welcome on Twitter, Tumblr, or serpentcast at gmail.com, we will be closing out the Patreon at the end of December. So feel free to sign up at the entry tier if you want access to the Rex post for the next month, because those will be shut down. But for now, we will leave you for the almost last time. And by the way... Whether you've been with us for the past four years, or whether you found us just last week, thank you for lending us your ears, darling listeners. The audience is always the invisible fourth co-host in some ways, and you've been a really great one. Yes, we serpents would probably have been chatting into the void regardless, but every time you have contacted us or tweeted at us, complained about our impact on your TVRs, (laughs) or tagged us in a picture of serpent-themed items, or just told us about a book or a show that you think we'd like, it has been a really wonderful reminder that we're not just bringing joy to ourselves by doing this, but to other people Mm. as well. And hey, I just want to say that openness to trying new things that thing where you listen to us yell about our enthusiasm and then you go out and turn that into reading wider and broader than you have before i think that's pretty fucking awesome of you 